When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. At Maximum Mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Soundtracking, the bonus podcast that we haven't done for about <laughs> six months. But we are back with this one that we've been talking about doing for about six months. Uh, we're going to sit down and talk about the Scream soundtrack because it's almost Halloween. Yay! <laughs> All right. So this one kicks off with, to me, and we'll, I'm, there might be a lot of disagreement here, but to me, the standout track which is Youth of America by Bird Brain. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not any sort of like controversial thought. Yeah. I mean Bird Brain Youth of America is arguably the greatest grunge song ever in my opinion. Well, it's funny because because of this song I was building a Halloween playlist on Spotify for myself and they don't have the Scream soundtrack on Spotify, but they do have Bird Brain's first two albums on Spotify in which the song came off of. So I listened to all of Bird Brain's music. And guys, I got to tell you, Youth of America is a really great song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so I, as you were mentioning that, I was thinking, you know, I, I that was one of those white whale things for me back in the pre-internet days was to try and find a copy of Bird Brain's albums. Um, I never did. 
and I guess that was probably for the best. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad, but it's forgettable. This song, though, fucking rips. This, like, this um, encompasses the 90s. This oh, it's song. so good. And this is one of the only songs on the soundtrack where I vividly remember the sequence that the song is in. Oh, really? <laughs> Most of these I remember. Oh, uh, see, um, there's maybe three well, besides that, this one. When I say most, I think I meant three. So. <laughs> <laughs> this soundtrack, side note, I know Brian ha is like listening to it in real time, but yeah. Scott can back me up that this soundtrack is all over the fucking place musically oh, and stylistically. Really, but the thing, here's here's my two cents on that. I mean, you're going to get a lot more than two cents out of me for the next 40 minutes, but... Uh, <laughs> So, I love this soundtrack. It is one of my favorite non-OST soundtracks. You know, like yeah. non-compositional soundtracks where it's just like needle drops uh, from horror from a horror movie because it really just takes me back to seeing Scream for the first time. And this was the first soundtrack I ever bought. I bought it on CD, and it was like, you know, I was obsessed with it. And I still... I still think that of this, I think was the last gasp of needle drop soundtracks. You know, like this, like the late '90s, really were it, right? Yeah, no, 100%. I, I feel like the art of the soundtrack is lost, I, and we've talked about this before. But like, soundtracks don't even back in the '90s. There were fucking music videos for yeah. soundtracks, like that. You that know what I mean, can't get enough you baby video that Smash yeah. did for Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. yeah. Like it, and I'm pretty sure the Youth of America sound uh, music video, which I mean, I don't think got a lot of play, but it's there just, was a music video for it's it. It's just pieces of Scream, right? Yeah, it's it's the band playing in shots from Scream. Like it was there to promote the movie. Yeah. Um, it could right, just so be the movies I watch, but I feel like most movies nowadays are just nostalgic driven for yeah. for soundtracks. So instead well, of it about... being like, oh, this is about this era, like. Oh, this is a great song. I should check out this band. Most of the movies I watch is like, oh man, that song was great ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, but think about um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. They made so much money off of song from the songs from the seventies. You know, yeah. yeah. And that's and I think I think that's what Brian's referring to because I think at this point, here's the thing: the the thing that it, I miss from the nineties because it was a very very useful tool and. <laughs> It was like soundtracks and those like $5 compilations oh, yeah. that you would get at a CD store introduced me to so many bands that would have never made their way onto my radar otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss the, the compilation or, you know, like the, the Punkoramas and the the. Oh, I, I, the hopelessly devoted every, to use. And I was going like to say every every record label had their own little thing. So like Hopeless Records had the hopelessly devoted to you. I think Fat Records was Punkorama. No, Fat Rec had short music for short people. Punkorama well, was Epitaph. Okay, Epitaph was so well. Short music for short people was the one album. Um, I thought they did a couple think, of those. No, nah, there was mm. just the one with a hundred and one songs on it. That had uh, Family Reunion on it. Yeah, great, by great song. Great <laughs> song for a 13 year old who's not allowed to say those words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tooth and Nail had the songs from the Penalty Box. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Like there was just so, and it was like, even now, I can bump into any of the kids who listened to that type of music in high school with me, and we remember those track lists better than we remember most things we learned in high school. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember anybody's birthday, but I sure as fucking remember what happened on like 
beer nuts or whatever that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next song uh, called Whisper by uh, Catherine. Yeah. yeah, so so this one, is this the one? Really, this was, that was the second track? Yeah. The, 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 we are, we are, we are, we're just children. That one? I mean, I guess it's. That's the I chorus. always skip this one because I wanted to get to the next track. Oh, but let's talk about Catherine for a yeah, second. Yeah, so cause... this is a cover, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, this this one's a cover, and it was originally done in the '60s, I want to say, um, which I obviously had no knowledge of when I was listening to this in 1997. Um, but I I didn't love this song back then, but. I do find it to be quite charming in a nostalgic way now. Mm-hmm. It, you know what it musically reminds me of just a little bit is um, Take take Your Picture by Filter. It's kind of just got that very like mm, yeah. ambient-y rock vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that this is a good example of what you were getting at earlier about this being such a weird hod- hodgepodge of, of music. It's not very... It, it's funny because when I listen to it, I don't think that I can disassociate my childhood and the nostalgia of listening to these songs with the cohesive, the lack of cohesion between the, the song styles. But I, I don't know. It works. For me, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like because even Scream 2, I think, did a slightly better job of being a little bit more cohesive. Because there was always, when you had these soundtracks, there was always a variety. We looked at this with, like, the, the Can't Hardly Wait one had, like, you know, some pop punk and some 90s alternative rock and some hip hop. For some reason, like, all of that kind of weirdly meshes together when you're, like, listening to a party album. That's you know what I was I mean? about like, to say. It's, it's, a par- it's, it's music from a party, so I think yeah. that works better than music. But, like, but there's, this is a party movie, too. <laughs> like, they're literally having a party where people are getting murdered, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but do you have any other thoughts on Catherine, or should we dive into the, uh, well, the let's, song? Let's get to it. All right. The next track is Red Right Hand by Nick Cave, oh. the song that became the unofficial, like, sound, like, song of Scream. Yeah. Like, this, this is the song of a town getting shut down for a curfew every night because there's been murders. Is uh, this in all it, of them? It's in yeah. every single yeah. one of them. And now it's the theme song for Peaky Blinders, I guess. What? Pinky Blind- yeah. Snoop Dogg just released a cover of it for the new season of Pinky Blinders. It's <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How is Snoop Dogg involved with Peaky Blinders? Because Peaky Blinders is a, uh, like a, an organized crime period drama. I think he just is a fan of the show and was like, yo, I'll cover the theme song for you. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And that was a mistake. <laughs> God, and for an honorable mention, since yeah. one of our listeners requested it and we have yet to do it, not saying we're not going to do it, but it's also in Dumb and Dumber. It is also in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> so weird. Uh, this this song introduced me to Nick Cave, who I became a huge fan of. He, he's got a very weird style. And discography, I still think this is one of his best songs, but I wouldn't disagree. If you if you're a fan of this song, I highly recommend checking out his 1998 album Murder Ballads, mm-hmm. which is literally just ten songs. Each one of them is a story of someone going on a killing spree. 
uh, told from the perspective of the person going on the killing spree. And it's a really, really surreal album to listen to. It's a great Halloween album, honestly. Yeah. I, I wish um, that I liked him more. I mean, I do like Murder Ballads, but I don't actively listen to it very much. Um, yeah. Never have, never will. I, I think I like him more on on uh, from a, a, a conceptual basis. Yeah, he's he's conceptually weird. I See, for me, I think the big thing that sells me on Nick Cave is I love like love just a good funky bass line and he does this weird music with some fucking tight bass line in the <laughs> <background>. <laughs> calm down white boy um, um, well so and also I'll mention uh, if you like if you want more if you like the idea of Red Right Hand and murder ballads uh, you know if, if you've been living under a rock for the last 40 years uh, and you've never listened to Tom Waits Oh yeah, listen to Tom, Tom Waits, Waits is so fucking weird too. Yeah, like I feel like <laughs> Nick Cave and Tom Waits are both in that very odd kind of. One day they're going to collaborate on an album, and it will be the most challenging record that has ever been put out. <laughs> like, um, I will do a quick shout out to my friend Chelsea, uh, who sometimes helps me run the uh, the horror movie night booth on Sundays at uh, Monster Mania because yeah, I piss off uh, on Sundays. <laughs> Who uh, who made out with Nick Cave one time at a concert? Wait, what? Oh. She saw Nick Cave live, and she was like, he just leaned in and made out with her in the middle of a song. And she was like, it was the greatest night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I would Which, hate I to mean, be her boyfriend, her her future boyfriend or husband or whatever, <laughs> because like, you'd be kissing her and she'd be like, mm, this is good, but it's not Nick Cave good. Yeah, yeah. I'd say it's not good. It's bad seeds, really. Uh, okay, so that was a terrible <laughs> joke. I would cut it if I could, but I'm not. Uh, so let's move over to track number four, which will I think will be a real divisive discussion because I know it's bad, but God damn it, I love this cover of Don't Fear the Reaper by Gus. It is here's the, the worst thing. cover. No, here's the thing. I'm torn. I think that it is not a good cover in the sense of Matt Kelly would listen to this on his drive to work. And it's not yeah. a good song to listen to on your drive to work. I think it's a great soundtrack song, though. I think it's a great, like, set the mood, very, like, in the background. Exactly how it is. Like, it's yeah. not taking up the movie. It's just playing in the background while he's, like, comparing sex to The Exorcist. Um, yeah. That crazy, crazy child. Well, um, what, I, what I really like about this particular cover is, like, Don't Fear the Reaper is genuinely in like my top 10 favorite songs of Fuck all time. Yeah, me I've, too. <laughs> I've loved it. But this is the only like the problem, quote unquote, is that most people's covers of Don't Fear the Reaper just sound like the Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper, like they just do a note for note cover. So like I applaud that it's so uniquely different. Or it's so, hymns like, cover which sounds like a hymn song. Yeah. Well, even then, they're literally <laughs> just doing note for note. Don't fear the Reaper, but with that dude from him's deep ass voiceover. And some it. women and some yeah. woman in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him. I have, I have... <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was Bam Margera's favorite band, so every asshole in Westchester fucking loved him I for know, a couple years. I know. You know, I wonder how many hardogram tattoos there are in Westchester. <laughs> oh dude, there's so many. It's there's like so there um here in like the Cleveland area. It's akin to how many mushroom head tattoos there are, which is oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. I would rather have uh, a heartogram than a mushroom head tattoo, just because I don't like either band, but I really fucking hate mushroom head. 
Well, and I feel no. like you could write off the heartogram as not knowing who him is and just be yeah. like, oh, I thought it was a cool design. Yeah. If you got the mushroom head on you, you, you are... I mean, that's like having a hatchet man on your shoulder, like on your Well, it's funny arm. because, that, well, it's not funny, it's sad, but the, the, the Venn diagram of heartogram and mushroom head, ta I mean, uh, hatchet man and, and mushroom head tattoos is a circle. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, everyone's got it. But, I, okay, so, so back to reality um, of this song, I, here's why I don't like this song. I like the concept of it, and I love the way that it was utilized in the film. But it's a really, really, really bad take. Like yeah. it's he did. It's supposed to sound like he's not good. And listen, I can play this song and not sound good. I'm not going to buy a record and have someone play it not good for me. Like that's the whole point of a record is to play it well. <laughs> so that's what bugs the shit out of me about this cover is that it's it's intentionally bad. See, I don't know if I would say it's intentionally bad. It's listen, just you different. don't. It's slow. You, it's like no, uh, no, no. You, when you listen to the way that he's playing, he like plucks bad notes. Gotcha. See, I I don't know music at all. <laughs> you know, so I can't tell if things are things are off or not. But like this, this I would compare to Iron and Wine covering uh, Postal Service. I like so, kind of like it. Where it's just like very slow acoustic. Wait, did Iron and Wine cover a Postal Service song? Yeah, uh, they, they did covered such, such great, great heights. heights. Was well, a Garden State soundtrack, a similar similar setup, just a um, nice little background. So I had to look up who this person was because I've actually never known what their career was post this. Um, they haven't done much, but he apparently was music. Ducks. Yeah, he apparently was a was a music video director, directed like some Goo Goo Dolls and Eels music videos. Uh, but it says he produced a hit cover of the popular Blue Oyster Cult song Don't Fear the Reaper for the Scream soundtrack. The same cover was also featured at the end of the 19th episode of season two of Smallville and in the horror movie The Howling Reborn. Oh, nice. See, but here's the thing. I, I don't think us wants fame, you know? No. Like Smash Mouth. You have a name like Smash Mouth. Your, your, your goal is to get to the charge. When you're like... <laughs> I'm Gus. That's just like I want to play at a coffee house. Yeah, it's a also a, a, a '90s grunge thing. It's like, oh, I'm so be above everything. It's like you're right. He just wants to wear like a black beret and play at a coffee house. <laughs> it says he also covered Black Sabbath's "Paranoid" for an episode of Californication. Now I don't want to hear that. <laughs> you can't slow that song down yeah i think that that's the kind of the whole point is that that's uh, you know all right let's move over to the next one because this is where like up until this point it's not cohesive but it makes sense and then oh yeah this one then we jump into artificial world the interdimensional mix by julie cruz and the flow yeah so uh do you guys know what part of the movie this is off the top of your head no no okay it's when <laughs> and I, I i don't know why this sticks in my craw but it's the part where um tatum is there's uh, sid and tatum are sitting on the tatum's beds like they're her twin beds and it's after sid oh, punched courtney bam, bitch. Yeah, yeah bam bitch went down uh, i'll send you a copy <laughs> bam bitch went down i'll send you a copy. bam sid super bitch you are so cool um, I don't know why that's stuck in my brain forever that that's what this part is, or this song is from, but yeah, it's not a good song. No, it, and it's like, 
I mean, it's great that it's in the movie. No, it's not. But <laughs> not every soundtrack needs to have every song that appeared in the movie when it makes no fucking sense at all on the rest of the soundtrack. I truly think that this <laughs> was put in the movie as a favor because it's like such a side Julie note. Julie Cruz. Yeah, I mean, she was like, please just help me out. Dude, Julie Cruz with the flow is just one of the worst names I've ever heard for any artist. And we just talked about Gus. So, um, all right, let's just bounce on over to Sister Machine Gun, Better Than Me. Yeah, also not good. No, but at least it stylistically fits in a little bit more with everything that's happened before Julie Cruz came and interrupted the the fucking flow. Yeah, yeah. You know how bad this song was? Is I didn't, when I um, digitized my CD collection in, in 2002, um, I didn't digitize this song. I digitized <laughs> Julie Cruz and The Flow, but I didn't. <laughs> That's a thing now. If you were searching on iTunes and typed in J-U, it would suggest that the artist you were trying to label was Julie Cruz and The Flow. It's got... <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is also, it's kind of, this is where I have problems with the soundtrack is that the middle of it's just like a rave. Yeah. And it doesn't and work for me. <laughs> like, yeah, that was like, I feel like that was, you know, we talk about Wes Craven um, being kind of pandering, and I, I think that he was pandering here. Not as you know bad as the entire like? people under the stairs, but similar. <laughs> Sister Machine Gun, this song sounds like it was a B-side from Gravity Kills. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, that's actually a pretty good assertion. Not a B-side, like a, a D-side. <laughs> this, like this sounds like a song that would play in the club at like in a Duke Nukem video game. <laughs> that is the best analogy you've had in months. Oh God, it's so accurate though. This is like where the blood spills on people in fucking Blade. Just <laughs> yeah, like all yeah, this exactly. <laughs> all right, let's move on to another one that I think is a mistake to be on the soundtrack, but Soho with Whisper to a Scream, Birds Fly. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That Damn it, I'm gonna sound, people are gonna listen to this and be like, Scott is a stupid asshole because when I was talking about Catherine Whisper, Whisper to a Scream by Soho is the cover from the 60s. It's all right. Yeah, no, this no is- No one's the, gonna care. We are, but this is we enough. are, we are, we're just children. <laughs> of the four back-to-back, -back, like, rave songs, it's probably the best of the four, but- Well, this song isn't a rave song. This song is like, I mean, it's, it's got a bit of that feel to it, but mostly it's just, um, it's like a, a oh God, I like It's a, just dancey. It's a dancey song. It's like four non-blondes or something, you know? I mean, I was going to say Toy Box, but. <laughs> wow, man, you are coming with deep cuts. I, maybe, maybe that's a better suggestion. Jesus, you know the 90s way better than I do. <laughs> Toy box or like uh like bewitched. You remember bewitched? Say you will say you won't say you'll do what I don't. Yeah. <laughs> say say, true say you're me. true, true to me, say la vie. <laughs> <laughs> this you know, is what people are listening to the show for. Yeah, you know how nineties dance music and nineties pop was really missing that river dance inspiration? <laughs> bewitched was there to save you. That being oh. said, I can't make jokes because I listened to the shit out of that single, but like <laughs> The Kasingle, I like. That. <laughs> yeah, I didn't buy. The, I didn't buy the whole album. I bought the Kasingle for it. It was two dollars. It had the one song that I wanted. <laughs> two dollars was a lot of money in '97, man. Yeah. Inflation. I that's had, like 
275 now. Because <laughs> singles, singles was literally like what I, I would secretly buy them because it was music that I liked but was afraid that any of my friends would find out and call me gay. <laughs> so it was like Wow, bewitched. the 90s were a crazy time. Yeah, it was like Bewitched, Ricky Martin I had on Kasingle. Like It was like, these songs are tight. But then it was like, yeah, no, Ricky Martin sucks. And then I'd go home into my basement and put in the single for Living to Viva Loca and be like, yeah, but the song is really great. Isn't yeah, it crazy, like, all that stuff? Either. It's, yeah. like, crazy when you're a kid and you're growing up and it's, like, you can't, you know, you can't, like, Hanson. You can't, like, Backstreet Boys. You can't, like, this. And now everyone's pushing 30 and we're all admitting to each other, like, oh, I love that back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we were all closeted. All of yeah. us. About well, something. all the guys were. All the girls were very out in the open about how much they loved boy bands. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's because it was marketed to them, but you're not allowed to, to them. Enjoy, you're not allowed to enjoy girl things. Yeah. I, I think it's like you get a certain age and you realize how hard it is to actually craft a genuinely poppy song, and then you're like, man, those guys had some great songwriters working yeah. for Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, NSYNC's first two albums to have that many poppy songs in, like, 12 tracks? That's damn impressive. I mean, nothing. who did Liquid Dreams? Was that O-Town? Oh, O-Town, oh, yeah. Oh, so good. I mean, not good, good, but, you know, bad, good. <laughs> I mean, they also had All or Nothing, which was a good Oh, man, and uh, talking about song. covers, covers, Dude, that, that cover. Pop Goes Punk. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, that's oh, one of my so favorites. Good. The All or Nothing cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, I mean, uh, I, I don't even remember who did that cover. I think they were like a nobody. Like, I think they never really had anything after that. But like, that Punk Goes Pop album to me is still like tops. Like that—that that is like the best Punk Goes album that they've ever done. Well, except everything for maybe Punk Goes Metal. But that like, has a uh, Rufio on it, right? Yeah, they that did. Yeah, like a Rufio, prayer, like a prayer. Yeah, I like yeah, that one. dude, I fucking. And Fake ID is who did All or Nothing. Ah, thank gotcha. you. Yeah, Fake ID was one of those real D-listers. Uh, but I will say, um, I, I want to say that, oh, Thrice, Semi and Angel. Oh, that's so, so good. good. That should have been on Punko's Metal, but, oh, no, I guess Punko's Metal was was metal songs that they made punk. Um, yeah. Oh, Newfound Glory did uh, Heaven is a, is, Isn't Place Too Far Away. No, that was some random band called Student Rick. Oh. Newfound Glory didn't get in. It sounds exactly like Newfound Glory, but it's a band called Student Rick that was desperately trying to be Newfound Glory. Yeah, Newfound Glory didn't get no. on the album because they wanted to do every song, and then they're like, you yeah. know, we're just going to do every song on our own album. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I, I know for a fact that that, um, that uh, Newfound Glory cover is... Yeah, heaven isn't too far away, dude. That's that's Newfound Glory. That's not. Oh oh oh, heaven is. I thought you were talking about heaven is a place on yeah, earth. Yeah, that's Punk that's Disney. Student Rick. And the funny thing yeah. about Student Rick is that my buddy Eric and I used to make fun of Student Rick all the time. And then because they were just so incredibly cheesy, because uh, I found them when I went to college on um, on Audio Galaxy, which was just you know like. <laughs> uh, just whatever the the everybody would just put their own music up you know it was, yeah, it was basically was like, like MP, the band camp that was like mp3.com for me for a long time yeah, yeah. Audio I, Galaxy, found I found rufio and um oh as tall as lions you remember those guys yeah before they were as tall as lions there were a band called sundays with a z-e sundays and i went up to them at warp tour one time and i was like hey weren't you sundays and they turned around and walked away <laughs> but no um uh i found student rick on audio galaxy and uh they i don't even remember what song it was that they had but eric and i made fun of them mercilessly to each other and then we went to see 
uh, a show in Cleveland that's the summer after freshman year of college. And we went for Finch and Starting Line. It was Finch touring for, um, uh, what's what's the record? Oh, What It Is to Burn? Yeah, What It Is to Burn. And Starting Line was just about to drop um, Say It Like You Mean It. It was like two yeah. weeks before they were dropping Say It Like You Mean It. And so the lineup was Student Rick. And so Eric and I laughed our balls off because we were like, we made fun of these dudes for a year and now we're seeing them live. And then Coheed and Cambria, which we had never heard of, no one had heard of. And I think I've told you, Matt, this story out of either online or offline um, about how people, all these bros that were there to see Finch um, were screaming at Claudio being like, sing like a man. And I was like, these dudes were fucking awesome. And because, you yeah. know, like uh, uh, like two months later, everybody was singing, you know, like everything evil. So that was like right before they got big. They had just re-recorded or, um, yeah, they had just uh, redone the vocals for um, Second Stage Turbine, Eng Turbine Engine. Uh, their first record uh, and yeah. they re-released it on, I want to say it was like Equal Vision or some, or, you know, whatever imprint record label they had um, that record come out on. And then they just blew the fuck up. It was literally, I was standing with 30 people watching Coheed and Cambria in 2002. It was so weird. That's so crazy. What was the one website that everybody put their band on? Like everyone. Oh, like, oh, like pure, pure volume, pure volume, dude. Pure yeah. Volume. yeah. Via pure volume. Eric Biggis introduced me to Coheed and Cambria and my chemical romance when like they just weren't a thing. I think that yeah. I found co I think I found uh, my chemical romance from um, audio galaxy. Yeah. It's so crazy. And just think about like the trajectory of those bands, you know, <laughs> it's know. just, it's wild. Yeah. Eric Biggis I used to just sit on pure volume and listen to everything. <laughs> Well, and I remember, like, with Coheed and Cambria, I didn't go to that show, but I guess when that show came to Philly, because that would sync up with, like, I remember there was a girl who I was friends with who was super into, like, all the same type of music as I did. And we were in gym class together. And after gym class, she was like, you got to hear this band. I just saw them play live with with whoever she went to see. And it was around 2002, and she played me their stuff. And she's like, I promise you it's a guy singing. It's going to blow your fucking mind. And I was like, holy shit, this is good. Yeah, seeing <laughs> Claudio and not knowing anything about them. And then they open up with like, I don't even know what song they opened up with. It's because I didn't know who they were. And yeah. I was like all about it. But it was just so it was so weird for people to be like. Upset. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this God, is fucking art, man. Like, shut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah. I love that stuff. Like I, that's a, I love that's when the reason I'm why those taken bands, back. Those bands continued to survive because they were like, like not to shit on some of the bands that I like, but like a lot of the bands that we like aren't really out there doing like artistic records. They're just putting out albums with jams on it. And like, that's fun, but it gets tiresome. But if you're a band like Coheed, if you're a band like My Chemical Romance and like every one of your albums whether it's a success or not, you're like really swinging for the fences to do mm -hmm. something unique. Like people, you're going to have that fan base that is like just all about it because yeah. they're like, that's how Radiohead survives. I don't like Radiohead, but they swing for the fences with every album that they do and their fans eat it up. <laughs> Listen, Radiohead's great. They're an awesome band. The only Radiohead reason people was don't like Radiohead. Radiohead was great in 1996 to 2000. The only, the only reason people don't like Radiohead, and it's tough for me to enjoy Radiohead, is because Tom York is kind of a douchebag. I would he's, remove Kanye out of that sentence. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's very arrogant, but they're a great band. 
Look, I will defend the Benz and I will defend OK Computer and I'll defend maybe one or two songs off Kid A. And after that, they kind of just fall off a cliff for me. I, I love the music. fact that you're like, I'll defend the Benz. Like nobody's nobody's arguing <laughs> that the Benz isn't a good record. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm just saying, those are the two that I think actually matter. And I agree with when people say that they're great. Man, don't let let's not let Megan listen to this record, this uh, episode, because <laughs> she and I have been in a fight for the last decade about <laughs> about Radiohead because she loves Radiohead. And I'm like, I appreciate and respect them, but I don't really, you know, like I'm not going to seek out yeah. their music. What's the last Megan, song you're from listening. King of Limbs that you just started humming to yourself? <laughs> Megan, if, if, if you're still listening, OK Computer, The Benz, all of Kid A, not one or two songs, In Rainbows and Amnesiac are all great albums. Well, Brian, I hate to break it to you, but she already likes you more than Matt because, you know, <laughs> well, because she hasn't spent as much time around you. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, dude. I'm a five minute guy. Six minutes, you start to get annoyed. All right, we should get back to the Scream soundtrack. (laughs) Um, All right, so, oh, wait, we're still in the dance club because next up is Moby, who should really not be anywhere near a Scream soundtrack with First Cool High. Okay, now, I will say, I hated this song in the 90s when I had this soundtrack, right? And this also did not make it onto my digital library when I was digitizing everything in 2002. But... I re-listened to it before we did this episode, so I re-listened to it yesterday, and it's a really good song. Like it's, it's not. Uh-huh. Li- listen, Moby got a tough, like a bad rap. There's some pretty good Moby songs, and this isn't a bad one. I just argue that my problem with this Scream soundtrack is that we are now five songs deep that are all just like, or four songs deep that are all just songs that you could hear at a club, and it's such a like stark contrast to the grungy like indie rock that kicked it off. Right. Well, this is the this is the very end of the movie. Yeah, I and I do that's also why I think I like this is more of a nostalgic thing listening to it now and being like, "Oh yeah, it's like when the morning when the people that have lived through the morning lived to the morning of the the killing spree and you know, I just I think that it works in that way, but I don't know. This soundtrack is just tough to to really listen start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing that, like, I felt like Scream 2 actually got a little bit better with their soundtrack. Not that there's n- there's no Youth of America on Scream 2. No. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, song that you just cling to is like, holy shit, this song just fucking rips. But um, what it does have is a little bit more cohesion in the artists that are in it. I mean, you got, like, Master P and Cottonmouth Kings kicking it off, <laughs> which is, Kings. you know, a little rough. But then it's like... Sugar Ray, Dave Matthews Band, Collective Collective Soul, John Spencer Blues Fusion, Foo Fighters, Tonic, Everclear, Less Than Jake, The Eels, like all those bands are definitely in one cohesive pile for the most part. So quick question, Vers- uh, what's the Tonic song? Uh, it's called Eyes of Sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing on, the, the best songs on this soundtrack are I mean, Collective Soul, she said, is probably one of the better Collective Soul songs. Uh, right Place, Wrong Time by the John Spencer Blues Experience. Uh, Less Than Jake covers I Think I Love You on there. and That was on, on Scream 2? Yeah. Weird. because Because What's-His-Face sings that Oh, oh yeah, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, and then The Eels' Lucky Day in Hell, which is one uh, of the best songs yeah. off the first Eels album. Yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> 
let's move on to the Connells. With oh yeah, pill. this is a great song, and you this love is, this song, right? Like you have to love this song. It is a Matt Kelly, like it's definitely a good. This is definitely one of the jams on this record because I get I I don't know if it's so much that it's a good song or if it's just great to hear coming out of the last <laughs> four tracks. Like oh thank God. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is good. This is like uh, kind of reminds me of like Trippin' Daisy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that it's that slightly whiny indie inspired alt rock. Yeah, that the nineties are so. <laughs> yeah. But like, there's not much to talk about with Bitter Pill. No, it's, it's, it's just a, a good fun little song. Jam. Yeah, it's a fun little song. Here's the thing that has always bothered me since I was a kid: is the next track, "School's Out." Ugh. But like, the movie has the the original, and I don't know why they didn't just. I mean, I'm sure it cost a shit ton of money, but holy crap, you could have gotten a better cover of School's Out. Yeah. For this soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Why? Who's Who covers it? Last Hard Man. Let me listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts off with 30. So it's two minutes and 17 seconds. And the first 30 plus seconds is just this real jazzy, like, no more pencils, no more boots. Like. Yeah, this stinks. <laughs> Yeah, it's just not good. It's, like, it, it doesn't... it's just the weirder part of the fact that you have the original in the movie. But like, yeah. how they couldn't have spent the extra, you know, three hundred dollars to get the, the <laughs> to get it on the soundtrack. I mean, they spent royalties to have it in the movie for twenty seconds. I feel like they well, thought this was cutting edge. They're just like, how about this industrial, but with a third of the instruments, <laughs> and it doesn't work. I mean, that's most industrial in a nutshell. <laughs> well, that's like, I mean, it just kind of hits this weird, like, I'm trying to think how to word this. It never hits the bang that you need it to have. Like, like what works with how the song's used in the movie is like, it just, it cuts to that radio and the kids have been let out of school because of all the murders and it's just this angry anthem that the song has always been and this just seems like a friendly suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. But, uh, you know, we've got one more track on here. Uh, It's just a piece of score called Trouble in Woods, Bro. Trouble in Woods, Bro. (laughs) Woods, Bro. Uh, Sydney's Lament, uh, and I'm not gonna. Mike Marco, Marco Beltrami. Yeah, thank you. Sure. But uh, you know, it's fine. Real, it's, real it's downer n- ending to the soundtrack. <laughs> it's it's not bad. I actually like this is one of those things where I hear it and it does take me right to the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just not like the most. You know, it. This would be like a fun song. I'll tell you what I'm gonna use this song for. I've been getting more and more into the habit of setting up a speaker uh, in my window during Halloween and like sitting outside with the candy, but having like scary music playing outside. And this will be a perfect song for that. Like it's it's atmospheric in the way it needs to be, but it's not like we talked about like the Idle Hands soundtrack and how fucking tight that like piece of score is that appears in the Mm, movie. Yeah. Like this is nowhere close to that. Like this is not one that I'm like, man, I can't wait to listen to that shit again. <laughs> well, that's kind of what we do on this show, right? Yeah. Well, it's like, but you know, like you think about even like for how big Scream is, you know what I mean? 
it's really weird because Scream, as we're looking at this, is really the only giant horror franchise that I can think of that, like, the iconic music of the franchise isn't the score. It's just a random song from the 80s. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know the 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 Jason noise. You know, like, the Freddy Lullapot, lullaby. And you know, like, all these, you know, the, the Halloween theme. But, like, for Scream, if, if Nick Cave wasn't in the picture, I don't know if they would have an iconic theme to go with the character. They No, absolutely not. No, but we should recut all of the classic slasher movies with a 90s soundtrack. I want, <laughs> I want to start a GoFundMe for someone to do that. I will pay a year's salary, just like them in the woods having sex. Ryan, you like, can't even pay a year's salary to yourself right now. <laughs> That's why I said GoFundMe. I make the other people pay for their salary. <laughs> Which is like, what's that? It's good, oh, Willy Willy Wonka. And it's got like a Scooby-Doo style chase. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> You'd pick that movie and make us watch that yeah, movie. Yeah. All you got is time. Fun fact about Better Than Ezra, although it's not an actual fact. Uh, when I sing that, I change the lyrics to it's good, Willy Willy Wonka, and I never get corrected. Hey, fun fact, I had no clue you were singing better than Ezra Good until <laughs> you neither. clarified. Really? Uh, yeah, maybe that's why no one clarifies it for you. Yeah. Oh, is that a Brian Kelly original? Holy shit. All right, well, that was soundtracking for Scream. <laughs> Oh, I hope you're glad that we're back with one of these. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have just let me go on more tangents about pop punk bands, maybe we wouldn't have had this problem. <laughs> but but yeah, so there'll be another bonus episode before we drop an episode on Halloween night. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.